Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody from the ATL. This is England is burning for 21 March 2021. And it is a Sunday and we are doing our Chelsea weekly feature. Rob Prattley is back from the, he is the senior editor with CFCW Social. He is back uh, today to talk about uh, what happened over the last week, a match against um, Everton and touch briefly, if possible, to touch briefly on Wolfsburg Braun in the Champions League coming up this week as well. Welcome back, Rob. Thank you for joining us today. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Excellent. Excellent. So, so the, the match over the week, uh, this past week was with Everton and, and Everton, and it was at Everton. Uh, and we had some expectations of how that match was going to go uh, and so forth. But I wanted to jump into, it was a 3 nothing win for Chelsea uh, in that match. Um, but more, there was more to, in my mind, when I watched this match, more than meets the eye than a 3-0 scoreline. First off, Rob, if you don't mind, I want to touch on the lineup and the formation that was put out there and get your thoughts on it. So, now, typically, um, you had uh, Anne Catherine Berger. She was in. She was in goal as usual, but she had a back line of Charles, Millie Bright, Magdalena Erickson, and Joanna Anderson. What did you think of that defensive back line to start that match? I mean, to be honest, I think that's now probably with the injury to Merrimielda, that's probably the strongest lineup that Chelsea can now go with for the rest of the season. I mean, as I've said before, I still think that Magda and Millie are the two best centre-backs in the league. Um, and, uh, you know, I think Jonna is a very, very good left-back. And I thought she played well um, in this game against Everton. And I think Neem Charles is increasingly showing, that you know, she's got that just star quality and ability from sort of the, the position and we haven't necessarily as much defensively so far but going forward she's such a threat and I would possibly argue she's made more of a threat than Mary Mielder in that regard due to her pace and passing so I think that's probably the lineup you'll see them for the most the rest of the season. So we're looking to see Charles in, in that right back role? Mm, I think so I think you know they have other options that could slot in there Jess Carter if necessary could go in there Hannah Blundell can sort of play in there. At times, they've even, you know, before moved um, sort of Flagler Eriksson to fall back in a pinch. But I think probably Neen Charles is making the position her own at the minute. And this is what I said last week about Mary Mielder's injuries, that, you know, it gives a player a chance to do that whenever there is a bad injury, as awful as it is. You still say mm. to, you know, you, you say that, OK, it's a bad injury. But on the other hand, there's a chance for someone else to step up and make themselves a big star and with Mare and sort of, you know, increasingly getting older, there is a need to think about the succession plan. And obviously if Neem Charles can really step up and cement herself into that role, then it's just great to have, you know, increased competition and increased quality competition. Yes. Excellent. I'll get to how she did in, in that role uh, shortly, but what I was interested in was that in, and I don't know if you thought this, but I found it interesting that the midfield was in a diamond formation it was more like a four-four-two diamond mm. with uh, with a diamond of of having Lufaults, uh in the defense defensive midfield position, uh, and then Cutberg and you know G in the central midfield, and then Carter, which is not unusual for her to be in attacking midfield position. Was this uh, is this unusual for Emma Hayes to roll out a diamond formation lineup? 
No, I mean, she did the exact same thing in the cup final. Um, okay. In, in the cup final, albeit with sort of um, Fleming and uh, sort of, uh, Fleming and Liverpool sort of sitting in that midfield role and um, Ingle sort of in front of the back four and uh, Harder in that number 10 role and did perfectly sort of fine. I think the beauty with the Chelsea squad is they can rotate between the two of them. And obviously with that role, then you're relying on the wing-backs to get forward and offer you the width. Um because, I mean, Kirby will flow everywhere, but Kerr will tend to stick towards the central areas. And Harder can also sort of drift out wide, but you are relying on the wing-backs to give you the width. And one thing Neem is really, really good at, and also Jono is quite good at it as well, but not quite on the same level as Neem, is providing that width and being, you know, that extra wing out there. And once you can sort of get that, that's when you can get the overloads in the... Awesome. So, you know, you end up a situation with Neem, Fran and Pinio in the same area as one another and even sort of Sam Kerr coming across suddenly then you've got a four on two and it's really easy to overload. And then uh, and of course then Kirby and Kerr in up front and that's the typical two up front. Um, and so the, the game started out fairly well, how did you feel like, how, how did you feel the game kind of started out initially? I mean, the first minute or so, Chelsea could easily have taken the lead because uh, Corpela made a, a very decent penalty stop from Melly Leupold's. I think Leupold's would be disappointed it wasn't closer to the corner. Um, having seen it a couple of times, I think it was a harsh penalty to give, in all honesty. I didn't think Gabby George could do much about it. Um, but after that, sort of, it settled into a bit of an odd sort of pat. Chelsea, I thought, started well. They started on the front foot, but I think Everton were a bit surprised at how well Chelsea started. Maybe they expected a bit of you know, after the Lord Mayor's show from Sunday and were hoping they wouldn't be right at it. And, I mean, Chelsea created several good chances, but they didn't really create that really, really good chance until the opener. And then once they sort of got the opener, um, obviously, you know, a good counter-attack, harder, pressing really, really well, playing it into Kerr, turns it first time around the corner for Kirby. And, you know, once Kirby's in one-on-one nowadays, it's a formality that she's finishing it. And at that point, it's sort of, I think it could have gone one of two ways. Either Everton could have sort of stepped up like they did in the FA Cup game against Chelsea. Um, or sort of, you know, Chelsea were just going to sort of let, let it drift a little bit. And I think it did drift a bit for the rest of the first half. I mean, they had chances where they could have done better again. Um, Corpela made a couple of very, very good saves. And I think Kirby certainly will be very disappointed with one of the chances that she sort of missed. Um, but it sort of went to half time, And then right after half time, Everton sort of decided to really give it a go sort of for the first sort of five minutes. Um, I think hit the uh, post, had that very good curling effort that was saved by AKB. And then just as they were sort of looked like they were starting to get back into it, Chelsea sort of hit them with that sucker punch. And that's the quality that they've got in the team. I mean, Neem Charles of a wonderful ball sort of down the right-hand side to release Kerr. And Kerr sort of telepathically, she knew exactly where Frank Kirby was. So just first time sort of play it across and, Kirby lays it back to Pinilla Harder. Harder does what you want all your strikes to do. Keep it low and hard when you're that close to the keeper because it's very hard for the keeper to get down. It went through Corpela's legs. Um, maybe could have done better with it, but I think, you know, they were just caught cold by the counter. And at that point, you know, at that 2-0, it felt like the West Ham game. And it was just game sort of game set and match. I mean, the third goal was a sort of bit of a comic sort of cuts one. Um, again, a very good sort of long pass by Neem Charles. And I think everyone expected the flag to go up. It didn't. Uh, Sam Kerr was sort of there, as you'd expect all good sort of strikers to be. And, you know, I like seeing that from, I thought it was Kirby, I can't remember, one of them was uh, sort of a, expecting, as you expect all good strikers to be, has an effort that Corpela sort of shambled away. I think she was caught out a little bit by it. And then Millie Lurples was on hand to sort of tap home from 
sort of three yards and it put the gloss on the scoreline. I don't think 3-0 was an unfair result, to be honest, given the level of dominance. But I think Chelsea will be surprised how easy the match was, considering that, you know, we've discussed how difficult Everton usually are to play against. And whether it was the loss of Sandy McIver, who sort of, I'm sure, gives the defence a lot of confidence or just, you know, the fact that it's a gruelling schedule for everyone at this moment in time and Everton don't have a huge squad. And they have had to work very hard in recent matches, including against Manchester City. You know, it's just a case of a bit of burnout. Um, or just, you know, in the first sort of 10 minutes, I think Chelsea played very well and could have, you know, killed it sort of off within 10 minutes. And then after that, it became a bit of sort of a, not a typical performance, but sort of a, just a good solid win. Mm-hmm. And you saw at full time sort of, you know, the reaction from the players. It was sort of one of the last big hurdles. And I think you probably have to say on paper, the last big league hurdle before that showdown against Manchester City, which is increasingly looking like a case where Chelsea are going to go to Etihad campus and, you know, City are going to need to win. Because right. I think if Chelsea, you know, if they draw that, Chelsea, I think will continue to pick up the wins that they need and sort of City are going to need to attack in that game. And I think that will also play into Chelsea's hands because then you can have Kirby Kerr and Harder on the counter-attack. And if, you know, if Chelsea can get one like that, suddenly City need to come out even more because they need to get two. And then, Sort of, you know, I'm sure we'll cover it in more detail in the forthcoming weeks, but it's sort of looking increasingly like that's going to be the big showdown. Mm-hmm. I, one of the things I, I think, going back to what you were saying earlier about the start of the match, I, I, I was a bit surprised as you were with Everton's start. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seemed a little bit disorganized and didn't seem to be quite entirely mentally and physically prepared. Uh, in the first minutes, uh, and then of, and as you said, they, they didn't even seem like they were would seem ready for what was coming. Even though that's what Chelsea does every single start of mm. every game, um, and but then uh, there was the penalty call, and it was saved by Garpella. Uh, and I thought, well, hey, there's your big boost. There's the boost to get you know they got a save, and there's you know. Uh, on a pen and you know I expected Everton to kind of rise up a little bit and then that didn't quite happen mm. yes exactly that and it was sort of one of those odd odd games right I saw the penalty save and thought oh you know what that's going to be sort of the big sort of uh, going to be sort of you know the moment that sort of clicks them into gear and then there's that save a couple of minutes later and I was like oh they're going to click into gear and they sort of just never really did and they looked almost a bit you know confused I, I thought Izzy Christensen in particular in the first half was particularly indecisive because she usually has a very good record against Chelsea um, and is a very, very good player. But she likes to operate in that sort of midfield sort of half space. And I'd say Erin Cuthbert, I thought she had a very good game in the midfield because she was just constantly there, just sort of shadowing Christensen, just shut, um, shutting her down. And when you've got someone like that in there who... Cuthbert isn't naturally defensive, but just works so hard. It's very hard if you're sort of the other player trying to, you know, get your head up because you're always looking back. And then if you're playing it back towards your defence, well, you've got the added caveat that Kirby and Kerr are pressing and you've got Penilla Harder, who's so good at, you know, sitting in that space, I'd say, in front of the defenders and just waiting for that loose pass. Because one thing I've really come to appreciate Harder, and again, I knew he was a goal scorer, sort of a Wolfsburg, but it's just the all-round sort of level of play and sort of the brain and the first goal sort of all came about from a really good you know tracking back and intercepting Mm -hmm. and as soon as the sort of you know that she's got the ball you're seeing in the in the corner you're seeing Kirby getting right on the line of the last defender because she knew it was going straight into Kerr and Kerr knows I think you sort of hear her shouting you hear her shouting Fran because she knows exactly 
what she wants to do. And sort of Kirby turns, Kerr turned and just passed it sort of inch perfect through. And the second goal again was the three of them combining. I mean, it's going to be some defence in world football to stop any of the three of them. Um, and then even if you stop the three of them, there are still other threats in the squad. Right. And, and it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, you may stop them once, but you're not going to stop them two, three, four, five, six times. Mm. And, exactly. and that's what Everton kept running into was, was yeah, okay, well, we'll stop it one time. Well, they didn't stop it really the first time, that combo, uh, which was a brilliant play. And, and, and uh, with Kirby just waiting, waiting, waiting until that right moment to just bolt. Uh, and be ready for that for that pass um, forward. You know, I mean, you know, there was the penalty save, and then you know, a minute later, you know, Kerr had a wayward header. Then um, Adelina Eriksson had her had her shot blocked, and then you had the the play uh, to score the goal by Kirby at the 14th minute. And it just like, and I felt like at that point, it's like, all right, Chelsea's going to roll this match. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not kind of what it felt like because I was like, where's where's the Everton I used to know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like, okay, come on, someone get grounded here. And it did kind of, but then I think the word you used was drift. Mm. But the thing of it is, it's like, but Everton, and and I kind of expected this, but Everton didn't even get a shot off into the 44th minute. I mean, yeah. it was like that long. I mean, you had shots by Kirby, Harder, Cuthbert, G harder again you know uh and then finally uh christensen gets an off target right foot shot in in the 44th minute they didn't even get a shot on target until the 47th Mm. um you know so from a defensive standpoint but that i mean it's not really everton's game to be really beyond the front foot but it just really drifted for them and i expected a little bit more yeah i I think i think let's not be too harsh on them again i think willie kirk knows the the limitations. You know me, I'm going to be harsh. Yeah, I think I think Willie Kirk knows the limitations of his squad to an extent. And I think Good he, point. you know, I think the early penalty that sort of you know really rattled them because Three, even though that was sort of saved, I mean, mm-hmm. it was such a sort of warning sign. And okay, I appreciate you know when you save a penalty, it's a big moment, but you also sort of know that with a side like Chelsea, they're just sort of going to prick on from that because they will, you know, Melly Leopold herself sort of said it up and she sort of you know, was disappointed at missing that and annoyed at missing that. Mm-hmm. And top players, when they get things wrong or they miss a chance or, you know, something doesn't quite work out, that's just when the light goes on and they just suddenly click back into gear and click up a level. And I think, you know, Everton were also maybe a little bit rattled with the events around the club in mm-hmm. sort of, you know, the days around it. I mean, obviously, you know, the big fire, um, at the stadium, which again, you know, say it's deplorable. Um, and I hope they, you know, do make success in finding the culprits. That can't have been ideal preparation um, right. for the game. But it was a bit, it sort of reminded me a little bit of the game against when City played them. Because I'm going to be honest, in that game, although Everton were unlucky not to take a point, on the other side of it, City were, you know, on another day, could have been sort of, you know, put mm-hmm. a 3-0, 4-0 up themselves. It wasn't as if they didn't create the chances and they were unusually sort of, you know, poor in front of goal. Um, I do have to also, while I just sort of hear, I have to comment on, comment on board practice, um, the FA player coverage of the game. Now, again, I, I appreciate all coverage of women's football. I think it's increasingly, you know, brilliant to see it. And I like the fact the FA players tried to make it as accessible as possible. However, um, some of the commentary members need to take a serious lesson in getting names right. Because the number of times that Anne-Catherine Berger was referred to as Corpela or vice versa 
was just not on for the match. And there was, again, there was all sorts of just errors. And when they were going through the substitutes, they were getting the players wrong. You wouldn't see it in the men's equivalent. You might see it once a game in the men's equivalent. And it's a, quite rare for commentators. Purposes. But it just sort of, you know, it's another stick to beat with as well, you know, look at the inferior commentary. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't really be a, a thing. And okay, I appreciate that sort of, you know, this is me sort of being particularly picky. But it's just one of those things that you feel like, you know, it shouldn't be that hard to get it right, especially if you've got a team sheet in front of you. I appreciate when you're in the flow of speaking, mm-hmm. you can sometimes do it. But it was the number, the sheer number of times that it happened. And you'd have thought someone would have a word in their ear and say, actually, you know, Corpela's playing for Everton. It's Hank Attenberger, you know, in the Chelsea goal. Um, but that's, you know, that, that is me. That's just me being picky, I think. I don't think so, honestly, Rob, because, I mean, you expect the top flight league in England um, for the women's game to be commentated in the right way. I mean, I can see being one error during the match, but uh, as many as, you know, was counted uh, in this one, when I mean, when you get, you know, goalies mixed up, I mean, that doesn't, I mean, that's worse than, than amateur hour. I mean, it, it's, um, I don't know how you do that. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, um, you know, and, and one of the things I've been looking at in preparation for the Champions League is looking at other leagues and looking at, you know, um, looking at teams like, because we're going to be talking about Wolfsburg in a minute, but and talk about Barcelona and talk about Wolfsburg and talk about these other leagues. And, and I'm seeing how the WSL is actually getting better and getting better and getting better. But one of the things that, ha- one of the many things that needs to happen in the process of it getting better is the coverage of it has to be on point. Yeah. More eyes are on it now than ever before. There are more people watching FA player in the United States now than ever before because of this. And so this type of nonsense is not acceptable. Yeah. I have to also, I mean, I not, think, so I don't think it's picky at all. I think it's no, right no, point. I have to I have to say one thing I would, you know, and it would go a long, long way, I think, would be at the beginning of the season talking to clubs and asking players how they want their names pronounced. Because Absolutely. again, it's a, Sort of a Onya Bichel, uh, Bichel for uh, Manchester mm-hmm. United. Again, I, I've butchered mm-hmm. the pronunciation there, so I'm going to sound very hypocritical. But they keep calling her Honor Badger on there. And we always, you know, we keep having a good laugh at it because I know, yeah. people, you know, I know that my pronunciation isn't good, but I know that's nowhere near the correct pronunciation. And yeah. it can't be that hard to ask a player. Now, I appreciate some names are very difficult. Again, some of the Icelandic players that have come across, I don't even try, I look at their names and don't even try and sort of pronounce them. And if I have to write them in text commentary, I'm giving them a nickname or sort of, you know, shortening it. But I, I, I'd find it annoying when there's just consistently getting that information wrong. And again, it's the sort of thing you wouldn't see in the men's game. There's sort of, you know, I have to give real credit to some of my favourite comments, people like Derek Ray, for instance, who makes a real concerted effort to pronounce names properly and to talk to players and ask them, you know, how do you pronounce your name properly to get it right? Yeah, exactly. And and that's got to be quickly corrected uh, for this, for television growth to continue, which is, mm-hmm. which is really the key uh, to the puzzle for additional resources for this league. But going back to the, to the match, some other, some stats and wanted to run by run through, you know, Chelsea's XG in the match was 3.7. They got three goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everton's uh, XG in the match was 0.4. N- I mean, both none of that is shockingly surprising. Um, both teams had the ball evenly, 50% each. 
Um, passing accuracy was fairly close, 83 to um, 83 to 80 for favoring Chelsea. But again, I mean, Chelsea had you know seven shots on target out of 19, so a lot of shots on shots, but not many on target uh, when you consider the numbers. Uh, only two shots on target for Everton in the match. Um, a couple of things, other things. Let's see. So Frank Kirby, as usual, had eight shot creating actions for the match leading, leading the team. Uh, Pernell Harder had five. Again, not surprising mm -hmm. uh, given, um, given what they do. Um, but one, uh, I wanted to talk about Melanie Lupal. So I know that she had that missed penalty. She did get that um, goal that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, but from the defensive side, she had 12 successful pressures, which led the team, uh, as well as having that goal, had won three tackles, had one block, uh, and had total tackles and interceptions of five. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was a pretty solid performance uh, there uh, from your defensive midfielder. What do you think? Yeah, yeah well, I mean, you, you know my feeling on Melly Lurpol. She's probably, you know, pound for pound, my player of the season. Mm -hmm. um, yep. I, I think she's probably especially fired up in the upcoming weeks because she knows that there's, you know, a trip against Wolfsburg on the line as an ex-Bayern player that, you know, is the big, is the old enemy. And then there's also potentially, you know, a reunion with the old employers on the sort of, you know, on the horizon if we do sort of beat Wolfsburg. And that will sort of, you know, be thinking about it. But I think Leopold is just one of those players who um, just has that, that jack-of-all-trades sort of ace of none capability and that she's very good in sort of you know, defensively she can pass it she has a real cannon of a shot on her as well from when she shoots from range and she is normally very reliable from the spot so she's just one of those players that I think complements really well when you've got a G who's sort of very creative and okay doesn't really do a lot defensively but can you know chip in but is very very creative and go forward and then Ingle who again sort of you know just sits in front of the back four and does the sort of dirty work just mops up as necessary and keeps it ticking over and then when you've got Lurpols in there you've got sort of the best of both elements of them and sort of a really nice sort of buffer to build them together and that's sort of a similar player I suppose to Aaron Cuthbert in a lot of ways because Cuthbert is a and again I think this is one of the benefits of the Chelsea squad is there's so much versatility in there because Cuthbert if needed could play up front she could play in the front three she can play in the midfield and she has the energy and dynamism to be able to sort of do it all um and I think, you know, it's one of those options where Chelsea look an infinitely better side when Melanie Leopold is around than when she's missing. And finally, I wanted to talk about 21-year-old, I think it's Niamh Charles. She was 20, she's 21. She started at right back. I'm sorry, yeah. Rob? Neem Charles. Neem Charles. I'm sorry. Charles. I'm, I'm horrible at names, too. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Neem Charles, she's uh, filled in at right back. How did she do? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Neem, I, I think all Chelsea fans last summer, obviously Pernod Harder was the big uh, sort of, you know, big money, exciting signing. But I think equally amazing should be the credit given to the scouting team to get Melly Leopold's in a free and Neem Charles in a free. Um, Charles was just absolutely brilliant from right back, just bombing forward at every opportunity, was offering so much of an outlet. There's a terrific, what really impresses me about her is her ability to pass the ball long and also to cross it at such a, sort of you know young age it's one of those play things usually you see with fullbacks that they get better and better as time goes on but we've seen you know one of a very good player on Merseyside Trent Alexander-Arnold um, in the men's game who's sort of you know his party piece is crossing Charles has that but she can also defend um, 
And I have to, you know, I have to give real credit to her. She has, you know, she's been tested. She had a different game against Atletico Madrid in midweek. Um, and I think, you know, by all accounts, that was a good learning curve for her. But she was back to her absolute best um, in this game. And I think, you know, the absence of Marimielda means she's going to need to step up. And I think that can only help her in her development because she's got all these other very good players around her and she's going to be learning every single day. And there's clearly, you know, a real, real talented player. I mean, we're, we're pretty very quietly. But I think, you know, in 18 months' time, as she continues her trajectory of development, you'll be discussing and debating whether her or Lucy Bronze is the best fullback for England. And I know that's going to annoy the City fans that have uh, tuned in to sort of, you know, yeah, listen seriously. to on the enemy. But, um, you know, I think that, I think she's got that potential, um, in all honesty. And I think, I think, you know, the sky is the limit, really, for her. Excellent. Excellent. I know that we don't have a whole lot of time, but but if you can touch on briefly, Rob, before you have to head on out, uh, talk about Wolfsburg. Do you know anything about them? What what do you, what should we expect from them? Uh, do you have any idea, thoughts about the, the Champions League matches ahead for Chelsea? So, I mean, I think you would probably say that on the, gen- on the general side, Chelsea will feel that they've got the better half of the draw as per se um, but at the same time you expect to be playing top teams at this moment anyway and it you know it's the nature of it in terms of the uh, VFL Wolfsburger Frauen there are some really interesting um, sort of you know matchups this time around Wolfsburg I think and Bayern it'll be interesting because Wolfsburg will have a very similar style of sort of play to uh, Bayern uh, to Bayern Munich and I think that their big issue this season has been that Wolfsburg like trying to block up the midfield and like trying to dominate the midfield, but Chelsea have the ability to bypass that with Magda Eriksson and Millie Bright's long passing. Um, I know that they've got a lot of really good sort of options in the attack for Wolfsburg. There are some really decent sort of attacking players there and you've got Ewa Payor, who's sort of one of the sort of main attacking threats. Alexandra Pop, who sort of you know is a real sort of German football legend and is you know a, foot, a legend sort of in women's football. Pauline Bremer, who Chelsea fans will remember from being at Manchester City a few years ago and causing his grief then, um, and no doubt she'll be keen on doing it. And also uh, Fridolina Rolfo, who sort of you know she has been playing a bit more in a deeper sort of role recently, but offers that extra ability and is a goal scorer. She is herself normally a striker. Um, there's a lot of quality in the attacking side, but Wolfsburg have been leaking goals this season they're not as good defensively as they have been in other years and obviously they've lost their real real big star in Penelope Harder um the interesting thing will be to see you know when she comes back to them will they try and target her will they try and you know mark her out of the match and in which case sort of how will they do that because if you do that you run the risk of allowing Kirby and Kerr to run right or alternatively you might be able to shut down the service to them completely and force them back so I think it'll be a really interesting sort of tie um and the real barometer for it for me will be how Chelsea approach the first leg, because I think if they go out in the first leg and play like they did offensively in the first leg against Atletico Madrid, they can cause real damage and go and win the tie on the night and possibly seal it on the night. However, if they play like they did in the first half of the second leg and they're a lot more cautious and nervy, then I think Wolfsburg will really fancy it because ultimately there's the quality you know, in their squad to be able to do damage. And I, I, I just got a feeling, Rob, that, that they're going to come out on the front foot on this. Um, I, I think from a mentality standpoint, I, I haven't really seen Chelsea's mentality be any better 
as it is right now. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, it would be a real mistake to come out really nervy. Uh, I mean, I could see it happen. Of course, I can see it happen. But uh, I, I think they just see the, the possibilities on, on the wall of what could be. I mean, uh, but knowing Emma Hayes, she's not, she's not gonna let them get too ahead of themselves as we, either. I, I just expect them to really come at it to start with. Uh, I, I, if I were to say, which one is it gonna be, Rob? I think it's gonna be attacked the way they did with Atletico Madrid um, to start with. Um, you know, that's what, I mean. but you know, if I were a coach, that's what I would do too. Just get out in the front foot, particularly in a two-legged match. So, mm-hmm. well, Rob, we got, I know we got to wrap things up there. Thank you so much, Rob, for joining us today uh, and giving us your feedback. I hope all goes well for Chelsea as, as they move forward into this coming week uh, and so forth. So starting mm-hmm. tomorrow, we're going to have the, uh, the weekly feature for Manchester United. We're going to have Mark back from the Barmy Army back to discuss a very disappointing <laughs> evening uh, sure, with Arsenal on Friday. I'm sure he'll have plenty to say about the referee and about the, the standard of refereeing on Friday, which I have to say was, I thought, one of the worst performances I've seen in WSL um, from the referee. I thought it was a shocking referee. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, he's, I'm sure he's gonna, a lot of people are going to have a lot to say uh, about that, and I know I will as well um, moving forward. But then also on Monday, we're going to have Emma back from the Man City Women Fancast to talk about um, their uh, talk about their match against Bristol, which was in, very, very interesting, very intriguing match that was, and mm-hmm. also look ahead to Barcelona. I have a lot to say about mm-hmm. Barcelona Femini. Um, and I've gotten a lot of feedback on Twitter about um, what I feel about Barcelona Femini yeah. uh, stats. And I'll say this, and this will be hard coming from me. Stats don't always tell the whole story. Um, yeah, I would just them, like to. Um, uh, what's that, Rob? I would just like to uh, say again, I wish Manchester City and women all the best of luck against Barcelona because I would rather see English teams doing well. It's the pride of the WSL mm-hmm. that is at stake in Absolutely. this week. And, you know, there is hopefully going to be a it would be an absolutely fantastic outcome if we can see Chelsea and Manchester City both reaching the final and really, you know, showing mm-hmm. that we have developed the best women's league in sort of Europe. And it, you know, is something really to be praised and two projects at two clubs that are you know, different projects, but definitely ones to be celebrated. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a barometer. I mean, it really is a barometer. I know that Emma from the fan cast had mentioned that in her, in, in, on Twitter as well, that this is a barometer of where city is at. I think she's right. Mm-hmm. I think it is a, and this also will be, depending on how these two teams do, is a barometer of, of where the league is at at this point. Um, and yeah, it it's, would be great for the league. For It's good for the league to have one team in the final, but have both uh, would be extraordinary. Um, and, and a real push forward, and a real marker, and a real flag in the, in the sand and, or in the clay or whatever we want to call it. So yeah, we're looking forward to talking with Emma on uh, tomorrow evening in regards to Manchester City as they move forward against Barcelona Femini. Uh, and so that is it for today for England is burning. And guess what? We're on TikTok. That's scary. That's really scary. I'm old and I don't even, I didn't even know what TikTok was, but now we're on it. Uh, so England is burning is now on TikTok. I don't know what to do with it, but you all can tell me. Uh, Y'all probably know much better than I do, but we're going to close out for today and remember everyone that the light is out there. Let it become part of you. Let it become part of your daily life. Let it, let it hug you and also recognize, unfortunately, from the ATL, we do know that the darkness is very, very much out there. Y'all know 
don't let it hug you. Don't let it hug you even once. But if it does, please reach out, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of yourselves. And England is Burning is out for today. Thank you very much for watching and listening.